Sip tea, the darker girl is sweeter. Feels cool, but it's hotter than a fever. Kick back with two of your favorite divas. Let's talk, let's talk. Come on. Stir it, give it something you can feel, yeah. No faking, we gotta keep it real, yeah. Pour it and pull up, see, yeah, yeah. And don't you know it's high time for high tea? Hello, hello, hello. Good Welcome to morning. another episode of The Black Tea. I am one of your hosts, Lucy Stool, And I am Bambi Banks Kool-Aid. Lucy, how you doing today, girl? Well, you know, what day is it? It's 11-11 uh, today. I'm feeling a little bit of um those good mystical vibes coming from that. Bitch, I did not uh, realize it was 11-11 and I missed 11-11-11-11. Damn, you were supposed to hit your bowl then. What I, got, I mean, maybe I did. Who knows? <laughs> I'm sure you probably did, bitch, knowing you. Oh. You're doing the constant <laughs> hitting of the bowl. In this house, it always is. It always is. We take our medicine on the uh, regular, Miss Thing. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm doing all right. I'm doing okay. I'm surviving. I am alive. Um, I am over here celebrating the fact that we have begun the process of getting this fucking monster out of office even though i know there's going to be a little bit of a fight to it um i'm sure that it's going to happen i'm sure it is Girl. i hope it is i'm being hopeful <laughs> i was just I was, like, <laughs> I was just talking to somebody about uh inauguration day and how that's probably going to be like the last like you know just the final trump upset i just know he's going to do something embarrassing i feel it i feel it in my soul <sighs> I mean, if there's anything we've seen over the past four years is that we just don't even fucking know what kind of madness this, like, monster can pull out. So um, it's kind of disheartening to see so many people not actually, like, fucking stepping up to um, put some actual force behind this because this this motherfucker's crazy. <laughs> and, like, he's already said that this will not be a smooth transition. And I'm just wondering why more Democrats and more people who are so concerned with upholding the law in this country aren't fucking doing something about it. Like, what is the problem? True. I don't know. I don't have all the answers, but I'm just, I'm just wondering. I think the craziest thing is just like the, the Trump supporters coming out the woodworks, child. Oh, honey. No, the even funnier thing is them going back into hiding now. Everybody, Girl, have you seen that? Everybody taking their little flags down and taking everything off their Ford F-150s I and mean, shit. girl, it's over. They look. <laughs> I root for him more. But it's just crazy to me. Like, we, you, did you know that uh, one of the bartenders from Splash was a Trump supporter, girl? I probably shouldn't say what? that. Yes, <laughs> wait a minute wait a minute girl, wait a minute girls, hold on hold on hold on the girls put him on blast the other day he was like you think it's over i was like not this like what you really like you think you've won i was like who is you we supposed to be in this together <laughs> <laughs> so see this is exactly what we're fucking talking about today and trying to uh <laughs> Like, how do we even actually create fucking safer spaces for people when 
we have people like this hiding um, in the club everywhere, <laughs> like everywhere. Apparently, my only it's... my only single or the hottie's only single features a Trump supporter. That's crazy. That is what? Crazy. Yes, child. No. What? <laughs> yes, child. Wait a second. Are you so? This is someone we know, girl. No, I don't really know him like that. But we wrote this song called "Quarantines" at the beginning of uh at the beginning of the quarantine obviously i'm so dumb (laughs) (laughs) um at the beginning of the quarantine and um we feature big boy tings Uh, i'm not gonna say his real name because you know but if you know who big boy tings is uh uh-huh you do we do um baby girl was a trump supporter it's crazy damn i know i know they out there girl watch your back Honey, well, you know what? We've been watching each other's back for a minute, uh, specifically because of shit like this. Um, but I think that it's time that all of us, even us who think that we are um, doing the job, really take a step back and look at the people who are still being left out in this situation. You know, um, I think there's a lot of conversations and a lot of people that we need to be making sure that we're bringing in and including in this. So I'm super excited about the episode that we have coming today. So Bambi, do you want to bring our first guest in? Sure. This first artist is a designer. We have worn uh, all of their stuff in the clubs for I don't know how many years now. Like I like this person was like probably the hottest designer when I first first came out. So like at least 2017. Um, please give it up for Sky Kubaku. Yes. <laughs> Did I say it right? Did I say yes, it right? Yes, you said, said it right. It. <laughs> yes, good job, Sky. We are so excited to have you on the Black Tea today. How are you doing? I, I'm doing okay. I think this has been a good day so far. Sky. Yeah, it has. Yeah, it has. I'm feeling the 11-11 vibe, so I'm going to keep on um, running with that. Sky. Sky uh, oh. oh. me and baby are so excited i love when we do that shit baby you go for it kyle could you tell us a little bit about like the type of clothes you design like about your line and like why you decided to make it and create it yeah so i run a clothing line called rebirth garments and it's for queers with disabilities of all sizes ages and ethnicities and it's all completely custom made to order. So I just take people's measurements, exact measurements, there's no sizing. And then I just make up a dream outfit for them. Uh, I decided to start making this clothing line because in high school, I had no access to gender affirming undergarments. And then in college, when my mysterious undiagnosed stomach disorder started and I had to take off time from school, I stopped being able to wear what I call hard pants, uh, which is just jeans um, or like, you know, anything non-stretch. So I wanted to create a clothing line that uh, just really embodied all of my identities uh, along with uh, my friends' identities that were all like marginalized and ignored by the fashion industry. And when I started it, it was in 2014, and I was still at uh, college and at the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. They really like to uphold fat phobia, transphobia, queer phobia, racism, classism. And they really told me that there was only one way to do, uh, you know, a clothing line. And I told them shut up i'm gonna do my own way i hate i hate you all (laughs) 
how I started it. <laughs> and now they're uh, trying to claim that they, you know, that like they shaved me. Yeah. You. I'm like, yeah, no. It's giving very DePaul too, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and that's such a sad fucking thing is that we always see those schools after the fact being like, oh, yeah, we we, we were such a big supporter in that and we're <laughs> helping them in whatever way we fucking could. And I'm like, you fucking liars. Like, we see it in everything you do that you are lying. <laughs> yes, but your line is also so amazing, so futuristic. You also use, like, uh, chain meal, right? Like, yeah. Or pieces. I love those pieces. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was yeah. my first medium. When I was 13, I, I got very... Uh, it's a very stimmy, relaxing activity to do as like a neurodivergent person. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it is comprised of lots of like you know hundreds of thousands of little rings that I open and close with pliers for people who don't know. Yeah, and see that's a that was one of the things I didn't know either when I actually saw someone building that. I'm like, y'all deserve every piece of money you fucking charge for those pieces because oh that God. is so <laughs> intense the way you have to build like every little thing that way. Um, also, I just wanted to talk about like uh, I have also known Sky from being like in the performance like uh, community. Um, one of my first big memories of like Sky is coordinating this amazing performance with um, a lot of differently abled and uh, neurodivergent people in Chicago. Oh, we just say disabled because um, differently, disabled. differently abled is, uh, is patronizing. <laughs> Hell yes. Thank you for that. Okay. Because you know, sometimes that shit gets mixed up. So y'all all heard that now we're saying disabled. Um, the way that you like coordinated uh, the performance space and were able to just make space for them on the floor and actually give them like fucking room to be a part of this party and to like fucking dance and join in the celebration is something that like I cannot fucking forget about. I thought that was so, so, so dope. And like, it's always been something that's like stuck in my head from here on out to make sure that we can try and do that more. Um, I guess what I'm asking is how can we be doing better, specifically like these bars and these uh, queer spaces, how can we be doing better to be making sure that like we're including um, disabled people and neurodivergent people in in these kind of celebrations? I mean, definitely like stopping making excuses, I think is a big one. Like lots of... You know, lots of places like, you know, there's many places that do have elevators, but who choose to not get them repaired or they like Mm -hmm. to use their elevators as storage spaces. Uh, And then it's like, you know, you're going past the kitchen into the like into the elevator that holds the dumpster for some reason. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you're like squished up with your friends trying to go up up the stairs. Um you know, for, for me, I can't do fake fog at all. And, Mm. and especially in combination with flashing lights, uh, I know, you know, photographers hate fake fog, drag queens hate fake fog because it makes their photos look weird. And, uh, yeah, I don't really know anybody who like loves fake fog, but for some reason, everybody, Yeah, but see, unnecessary. It's so unnecessary. unnecessary. And that's like actually the main reason why I kind of stopped going out was I started getting such uh, hangovers from fake fog and I would get these migraines that started to feel a little bit seizure-y, like I would feel Mm -hmm. my brain flickering. Um, 
So there was a couple times that I got really, really sick. And and I, I'm actually like a, a sober person. I, I just never, I just never started drinking or anything. So like, you know, people always think that I'm, uh, I don't know, too drunk or high or something. And I'm like, no, I just have a fake fog headache. I'm like, yeah. so straight edge actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah that it's a, like it's a good one too because i feel like every fucking club here uses fog and i didn't really think about that i mean i can and think some of-, of those things are like so simple like yeah. just not turning on a fucking fog machine yeah i can think of one like accessible club like fully accessible like club and it's so sad because they're so racist so <laughs> <laughs> well then oh, you know yes. nothing is actually fully accessible because some access needs actually um you know compete with each other so like mm-hmm. just like recognizing yeah. that and you know if every event listed the types of accessibility um you know accommodations that they had that would be actually the most helpful and it's you know it if they have no accessibility accommodations then you also need to list that because then otherwise it puts it on the it then it becomes the job of the disabled person or neurodivergent person to then go like research or ask around like oh is that a place that like do they usually use fake fog and like a lot of times their friends will be like uh i don't know i can't remember or something um which is like another alienating like fucking feeling to like have to go and like do in that situation and like yeah it's too nobody wants too much work to go to a party you know yeah yeah exactly (laughs) like that's and that to me is horrible i feel like we're not doing a complete service to our community when we're leaving people out in this way and we've been having these big conversations this year you know um about inclusion and still we're seeing that um disabled people are being left out in it uh so that's definitely another big step that i think we're going to have to really make sure that we're trying to make a change with in our own community um yeah. <laughs> like on top of all the stuff we have to do. <laughs> I mean, and I think, you know, in having disabled folks uh, be really in the conversation and like fully listening to disabled folks um, and like having, you know, access coordinators or uh, access trainings. Like I, I've had an access training um, business with my friend and collaborator, Allison Copit for a couple of years now. And we were really trying to get the clubs and the venues to hire us, but, you know, and it was only like, I don't know, $60 an hour or something, but like nobody wanted to uh, take that time, even after we, you know, badgered them for a while. uh, And it just, it became very apparent to me that, uh, that the places were not safe for us. So that's why I've kind of, I have a little bit given up on the club scene, actually, because it was yeah. it was just too much, and I was getting too sick a lot of times. But also another way to help make things more inclusive is like, like I mean, for example, I I know we all like to do it is like calling you know Trump insane or his followers or like you know saying that it's madness or something like that but like this is also ableist language like making sure because it's not the people who are like like me I am mentally ill and I'm like you know technically insane and 
like I'm in an intensive outpatient program right now for my mental illness, but like it's not us who are the evil people. It's like the hyper able-bodied white like people who are just, I mean, yeah, ma- mainly just white people who are being extremely uh, evil because that's exactly how they were set up like in life to to be. <laughs> Yeah, call it call it what it is. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, and um, we all could use checking our language in that way because I mean, we absolutely are not trying to villainize disabled people in any way, and I think our society already tries to fucking do that so often. So you know, that's another thing that quote unquote woke people or well-meaning people need to make sure that they're checking themselves on. Like, absolutely, and I'm glad that I heard that today. Also, yeah. Um, <laughs> I wanted to check in with you. Um, is there some of that stuff that you've been working on that you can talk to us about? I think there was something we were talking about before we jumped on, if you could talk about it with the library. Oh, yeah. So I'm working with Chicago Public Library on a really cool uh, fashion curriculum that's going all the way till May of t- 2021. And yes. it's called it's a, it's a called Radical Fit, um, based off of my manifesto radical visibility a queer crypt dress reform movement manifesto and so it's you know having all of these really cool fashion tutorials uh, like face mask making there will be like a whole series of videos in january and and um like embroidery and fashion like just every aspect of fashion including i think me and collectivo multipolar will do a cool video on like how photographers should act around models and stuff and like not objectifying their their subjects and not you know being creepy or anything like that yeah um but like how to make people also very comfortable while while modeling um and it's really great because the library they wanted from the beginning to work with me because they wanted to have uh, transness, gender, non-binaryness, and like, like, and disability, uh, and race to also be part of the, the conversation. So it's not just like a straight up fashion, like program, because, you know, nothing exists in a vacuum. We need to no. talk about it all at the same time. And fashion is Absolutely. so gendered. Yeah. So, so gendered, so gendered, so gendered unnecessarily, like it's all completely unnecessary. But, you know, the more I've been in fashion panel talks, the more people are like, what do you mean getting rid of a women's and men's section? How do you find clothes? And I'm like, then there would just be a pants section and a top section. Like, it's easier. What are you talking about? (laughs) Like, it's so much easier for everyone involved. Also, didn't that shit start like when did? gendering clothes even start because wasn't it like not even a thing in the 70s because everybody was like wearing overalls and (laughs) oh it was still very much a thing i mean gendered clothing has been a thing for a while that's kind of wild i mean parts of it go in and out it's it depends it's like you know baby clothes used to be all all pretty gender neutral it's all just like a white frill of a poof (laughs) for babies And then everything went like basketball blue for the boys and like pink, you know, for the girls. Yeah. Yeah. Even though pink um, used to be what considered a men's color because it was like yeah. a variation of red, which is like aggressive yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! 
<laughs> Good grief. Uh, I can't even. Well, that that sounds really dope what you're doing with the library. And I'm uh, super glad to see them including you in this way because you have always been so vocal and at the forefront of bringing these issues out there and also just displaying your badass talent. <laughs> and like, I'm glad that even more people are going to be able to see that. Um, Sky, are you actually like taking orders or anything right now also? Yeah, I turned my Etsy back on. I'm trying to flip yes. over to Shopify because I am getting so tired of Etsy. They like their new CEO basically just wants to make it into Amazon and Ooh. I I can't can't handle it. But um no. yeah, I have face masks up and um I might I think for small business Saturday or whatever I might have an outdoor sale if it's um if it's not like raining or something, but even if it's cold, yeah. I might bundle up so that people can come and snatch masks uh, really fast. Cool. Like you've been making those awesome masks that have the see-through panel too, which yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Which is amazing. I have the- a lot of, of people depend on being able to see lips. Like, so that was like another thing that was just, you know, left out that yeah. you know a lot genius. of people weren't like thinking about. And that was so genius. So if you need one of those hit up sky those are amazing um and pretty much i mean everyone needs one of those yeah literally everyone needs one of those and they i i have 11 different attachment styles so it's like whatever's most successful to your body like i have velcro i have snaps i have magnets i have the ear loops and you know just lots of different things but i also made masks for people with big beards uh Mm. which also double as being really great for people with tracheostomies so oh yes you know what? Yeah, I'm definitely going to have to invest in a few of those Sydney. because I really go through a thing and <laughs> I have sometimes I have to wear two masks yeah, yeah. because I'm like, it's not covering up enough space. For totally. Me. And most of the masks that I just try and like buy are literally like this big. So yeah. I like always get stuck in that weird. Well, mode, I can so definitely I give you a <laughs> yeah, beard mask would be perfect for you. Yes. <laughs> Little pink one. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Yes. So we're going to touch in on that. But we are also going to bring in. And our second guest into the podcast today. They are a performer here in Chicago. The best one. (laughs) Yeah, one of the best ones here in the city. It has been so great kind of watching them grow from behind the bar um, at Berlin. Let's go ahead and welcome Trans Fat. Welcome, Trans Fat. So glad to have you on the Black Tea today, love. Hi, I'm doing great. Really excited to be here. Thank you so much for coming. I know this. Also, both of you, I want to say thank y'all so much for showing up because I know this took a minute. We've been trying to get this episode done for like, yes. Yes. how long. <laughs> yes. So this is like so exciting to see both of your faces and finally be talking to y'all. So thank you so much. Seriously. But we were so dedicated to making this happen and being able to have these like conversations and make sure that they like get out here in this way. Um, trans fat, just like the rest of us, has been like having it pretty tough out here. Um, and they especially make it tougher for disabled people in this city. Um, trans fat, can you tell us a little bit about what's been going on for the past few months? Um, it's been kind of a roller coaster ride of, of fighting all these systems, trying to keep my head above water. I've in the meantime, been making art and doing some posts mm-hmm. on social media. But also, lately, it's just been a time to relax and try to take care of myself. All, all throughout my whole entire summer, basically, there's been this big struggle with me trying to find affordable, accessible housing. And what I'm finding is that 
there's such a huge housing crisis in Chicago. It just doesn't exist. There's no, there's nowhere to go. My grandma helped me access the affordable apartment I was in and she passed away this summer. So I could no longer afford to, to stay and sign a new lease at the place that I was at. So I figured, of course, you know, this is the time when you can turn to government housing and subsidize and project housing to get help. But um, as it turns out, none of the organizations in town could really help me. Um, not Access Living, not Trans Life, not Chicago House, and definitely not the Mayor's Office for People with Disabilities or the Chicago Housing Authority. I applied for... I applied for subsidized accessible housing through the Chicago Housing Authority, and it's the most miserable thing. You have to go through this Google map, basically, where you're, where all of these different housing structures are just represented by a little dot on a huge map of Chicago. You have to click each one individually to even see if they offer any accessible units. Oh, wow. And that's how you have to go through the entire application process to apply for a place. I didn't know so that. Wow. I went through all that work and did it. And when they finally got back to me with an esti- with a time estimate, I was told my estimated waitlist time would be twenty five plus years. What? Twenty? <laughs> yeah. So basically, five or more. If I wanted years. to have housing at age twenty seven, um, the best scenario would be if I pl- applied in nineteen ninety five <laughs> when I was two. <laughs> what the fuck? Like. I just, I am so blown away daily by how much this government just does not want how disabled people to live. Fails like, us every day. Like, fails all of us in such a fucking way. Um, it just breaks my heart to think that there are so many people going going through this right now. Like, it blows my fucking mind. Um, you did create a GoFundMe, correct? Yeah, so my friends definitely created a GoFundMe. Did that did that do something? Did that help in some way? Is there some way that we can also talk about boosting that on here? Um, to help me with housing structures, because basically what I found is that there's there's no monetary support for disabled people in the city or poor people in the city, and there's physically nowhere to go. I ran out of every single option that I had trying to get this funded through the government. So the only way that I have what I have now is through community support and people donating enough for me to afford rent on some of these expensive high rises. Um, Most people don't know this, but with the ADA, only buildings built after the ADA went into effect have to be ADA compliant. Every other building built before that date is grandfathered in, so they don't have to provide any sort of accessible housing whatsoever. So the most, the majority of accessible housing that we do have here are those brand new expensive high rises that nobody can afford. And with disabled people being among the poorest of the population, a lot of it's just pushing people out into the streets. It's forcing people into homelessness. So I think I'm just so hugely grateful that I have people willing to donate and that's how I am able to have the safe housing that I have now it's I mean it that's exactly what they're doing that is literally exactly what they're doing and we're seeing it happen in real time here um 
we're going to promote that gun GoFundMe as much as possible. Um, because as we know, a year goes by fucking quickly. And if there's anything that we can do to help kind of bring some kind of solace and help think about what to do for, you know, the time after that year, we're going to try and do it. And we're, we've seen now, but this is something that will continue on that we have to take care of each other. Everyone listening to this, we have to take care of each other. All of us may not have the money or those kind of means to be able to do it, but we have to have each other's back and be there and support in these ways because we've seen over and over again that our cities and our countries will not have our fucking back at some of the worst fucking times. So Transfat, I just wanted to remind you again that we love you and we are here for you. We will not forget about this. We will continue to make sure that we get some real fucking stability, like, and we can help you fucking get there. But I also want to talk about the great fucking artwork that you're doing in this city and how you've been bringing it to the fucking club and just about some of the fucking club shit that you've run into in this uh, crazy little queer community in Chicago. Can you tell us a little bit more about your drag? Yeah. So with my drag, it's kind of about me having reached a point where I just couldn't take the isolation that I was experiencing and accept that as the rest of my life. I wanted to be out in the world. I wanted to have contact with people. For me personally, you know, I didn't become disabled until later in my life at about age 22. And it's a huge and jarring experience to go from knowing your body and understanding how it moves and not having to worry about any place that you want to go. Mm -hmm. You can just go there to being completely disconnected to your body it being this new thing that you don't understand and suddenly you don't know how to go to there's there's no place to really go to socialize with people it's just being cut off so for a lot of my early 20s i was really really lonely and spent a lot of time isolated and alone in my apartment so my drag personally is about wanting to connect with people yes. bring people in uh, build community. And I definitely want to be somebody who can pave the way for other disabled people so that I can start taking care of some of these huge mm -hmm. issues that we have that prevent d disabled people from coming into drag spaces and start to reduce them so that more and more people feel comfortable participating in these spaces. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been so great uh, seeing you like be able to bring that to like Berlin, but I still feel like Berlin is even like lacking in making the space really accessible, right? Some things I've had people say is that, you know, we would be willing to include disabled people if they were actually showing up. We just need, we need to know that they want to be there. But that's not at all how disabled inclusion what? works. You can't expect people to come into a space that's physically dangerous no. for them and is going to put them in harm yeah. before you include them. The space has to be safe enough for them to enter before we can even think about asking these people to come into the space. So that's really what I'm trying to bring to light with a lot of the, the activism and education work that yeah. I do. I know for me personally just trying to navigate spaces. People think that as long as I can get through the door, that means the space is accessible. But it's so much more than that. 
can a disabled person even get to your bar? Are there are there seats that are physically attached to the ground that would prevent them from getting to it? How packed is the room? Can they move physically move around in the room? How narrow are the hallways? Can they accommodate a wheelchair or other mobility device? How large are the bathrooms? All of these things have to go into consideration. And, you know, I'm sure there's lots of little things that you can bring to a show and make it to make your act a little bit more interesting. Like I've seen plenty of people use strobe lights and I'm sure that felt great for that moment for you. But I've honestly never seen a performance where I was like, wow, that strobe light really made the performance. It just wouldn't be the same without it. I've never experienced that. Yeah, <laughs> true. So true. <laughs> and, if, and if you needed the strobe light, it wasn't a good performance to begin with. So <laughs> like, hello. Like, absolutely, you know. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times the issue with asking for accessible accommodations is that the burden always falls on the disabled person to do it, even though we're not the ones at fault. So anytime that I want to feel accommodated, like I want to, I want to go in those dressing rooms that are all usually in basements, but I can't, and I want to be a part of that. Part of me really wants to reach out and be like, well, I think that the right thing to do would be at nights when I'm hired for your show is that nobody uses the dressing room because that's really the only way to Mm -hmm. make it fair and Mm -hmm. inclusive. But I'm almost afraid to ask for that because nobody nobody wants to come off as that uppity cripple. Just like, you know, you don't want to come off as the ABS or or the angry fat person either. But it's just kind of hard to put into words at times. And there's also pressures from people who actually go about hiring me who don't really understand the gravity of what they're asking from me when you hire me for something you're hiring me with the understanding that i am a disabled person and that means that you have decided to take on the responsibility of securing accessible spaces but with this being like the queer art world and everybody being poor as hell and not having access to the same kind of spaces that that other groups do there's always these issues come up where the pressure is on me to put myself at risk so that other people can so that other people can feel like things are easier for them. Yeah. And that is um that's really fucking sad to me because we all know that like dressing room is like a bonding, like kiki like moment. And here we have yet another example of how someone is being like completely left out of that situation. Yeah, they like they always assume that when you are asking about accessibility that it's just for people who are watching because they assume that disabled folks are just passive cons- consumers mm-hmm. and never actually performers. So, like, I've had so many problems with my own performances, like, trying to get that into people's heads. I'm like, no, like, you know, the stage needs to be accessible, too, because I have, you know, three wheelchair users, some crutch users, like, you know, all, all sorts of things. But... And then people are just like, they don't understand at all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, honestly, I feel like to some point too, it's like they don't want to understand, which, you know, we've been hearing over and over again is that a lot of people are willfully kind of pushing this like out of their heads or out of the way. Um, And this is something that 
cannot be fucking ignored. These are human beings. These are people in our fucking community. Like, how can we be doing this fucking disservice to them? And, and I like, just think that, like, oh, go for oh, it. Oh, I was going to say also, like, you know, with physical um, accessibility, that's, you know, not the end of it. Like, the attitudes of the people who are working there. I know trans fat mm-hmm. has had, you know, horrif- horrific experiences with people working at the places I, I have too, like just for when I'm trying to advocate or like, you know, people just like people like just like pushing back and like giving you attitude for yeah. asking. For example, know. I've worked outside of drag. I've done, I do music and I do theater and I was cast in something where one person, the person running the show asked me, mm-hmm. you know, Garnet, we're really having trouble finding a practice space. Do you think you could just this one time maybe come to my walk-up apartment and we can have the practice there? You know, um, and people are really, are really upfront to say, you know, we'll help you up the stairs. But when you actually think about that, that's a ridiculous offer. How are you going to actually help me up the stairs? Yeah. You, you're going to fold up my walker and carry it, but you can't help me. How are you going to, what are you going to do? Carry me up the stairs? I weigh probably 400 pounds, so I doubt that. What happens is the, the, the responsibility then lies on me to like degrade myself or put myself in harm's way or injure myself by crawling up the stairs or scooting up the <laughs> stairs and that time it was in winter so you know i'm scooting up the stairs through snow that other people have stepped in and people don't realize the dignity yeah. the indignity that comes along with asking us these things yeah or just like which is fucking ridiculous. and it puts you in da- more in danger so yeah. much like yeah people are always like oh I could carry your power wheelchair to like my friends. And it's like, do you even understand how much a power wheelchair weighs? (laughs) Like, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) like, no, you can't. (laughs) And then it's like, yeah, just putting, yeah, it's like people will be like, well, like you're just being difficult or something like when you don't want to put your own safety at risk. Yeah, yeah. You're like, and this world is not built for me, goddammit. Like, please take notice of that. It's, mm, wow. I'm really glad that we got to have this conversation with um, you two today and um, enlighten and also hopefully educate a lot of the people that are listening to this um, and remind them also that it is a part of their job to be making sure that no one is left out um, in this situation and making sure that we make changes to our system and our government that is really making sure this is happening, not just saying that they are, which we have fucking seen so much this year. Like, we've got to burn it all down and start this shit completely over. Yeah, we also need to rethink something that isn't capitalism because I'm... <laughs> I'm. I mean, don't you think that's also just like a huge part of like not having accessibility? People not wanting to like spend money on something sure. that they don't for like see will be like used as much. And I just think that that's silly. Like, like yeah. why? Why? Yeah, I just think that people need to start like because you know people really uh, Americans really get into this idea of capitalism and chasing a dollar versus like actually thinking about the human next to this. So. Hopefully we figure that the fuck out, especially and in like 
it could start in the club system, but just like across the country, like you know, we need to start thinking about the like our neighbor instead of like our own like pockets being more important. You know, and hopefully we can also start to um, fund and take care of and make sure that we are creating opportunities for disabled people and neurodivergent people to help them like selves and be able to build things for themselves. Like we are lacking on having that voice there and having people like that actually empower to help you know, make these choices and change things. Like, just like Sky said, we need to be actually listening. Like, um, so that's something that I think we all need to be thinking about after this. You know what I mean? Yes. So one thing I've been really advocating for is if you see anybody, any homeless disabled person on the street and you have a little bit of extra cash, just give it to them. Donate directly to their pockets because what people fail to understand, even though people love beating down on homeless disabled people and saying, well, they're just on the street for this reason or that reason. And they just wanna excuse the problem away. The reality is so much grander than that. Our city here, just in Chicago, is designed to ensure the failure of disabled people. There's literally, if you get in a situation like mine, where there's a sudden emergency and the circumstances of your life change drastically, there's there's nowhere to go, there's nowhere to get help, there's nobody that does any sort of emergency housing. It's all done through this wait list. So for me, if I didn't have people donating to this campaign, I would be on the street right now during a pandemic as a high risk person and there's just nowhere to go. And even if you go on disability, people think that you're just bringing in this huge amount of welfare to live off of and lining your pocket. It's, it's so systemic yeah. too, because it's like, um, you know, higher education, they get to, like, if they're a historical, like, building or whatever, they get to say that they don't want to make it accessible. Like, for example, RISD, like the Rhode Island School of Design, they are so inaccessible and it, um, and, but they just say, oh, we're a historical campus, so we can't make it accessible. But it's like, do you really, like, do you not understand that that means that you physically you are just completely excluding disabled folks from accessing higher education and you are just saying you don't want us there and it's um you know yeah. also i think a lot of times people think that ac- accessibility has to be ugly which is you know what my whole thing is like no like accept access tools can be super beautiful. Like you can have a ramp that goes with your architecture. It doesn't have to look like a weird add on. Like you can make it go with it and make it, you know, historically accurate or whatever, but just saying (laughs) that, you know, it's, you don't want to do it because it's a historical building. is like such a scary, um, scary way to, to put it. I feel like. Uh huh. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to be in the future. <laughs> like, girl, let it go. Disabled people only get $700 a month to live off of when they go on And we're all like, you know, any of us who are social security disability or like, it's or even unstable, it's like, it doesn't cover it any sort of cost of living. It takes so, so little open for your pockets to people who become need houseless. Like, I don't know, when I've had really bad panic attacks. On the, on the street 
and like cops come come and try to talk or something like you know if I like sometimes I'm able to try to reel it back really fast from like the the adrenaline spike will like help me try to reel it back but you know there's times where I'm like I don't know if I could have reeled that back and I could have gotten in a really dangerous situation I mean of of course I have a lot of privilege being like a small Asian person versus being like a black person or something but like you know there's been times that I've snapped really hard at cops who are getting weird about my mental illness and I'm like oh my god like that was so dangerous like how did I do that yeah (laughs) so I've definitely had an experience like that with cops for me um you know I'm always afraid of what's going to happen because especially with having a walker, I've been pulled over by cops before. And the fear is how am I going to explain in this situation where I'm vulnerable that if they ask me to get out of the car, I can't stand outside of the car. It's going to take that extra step of vulnerability of saying, I have to get this giant piece of metal machinery out of the car first out of the trunk in order to do any of your further commands. So there's a huge there's a huge panic for me of of being in a car and getting pulled over at any moment. I just feel like I'd immediately be shot just for trying to access my mobility device. On top of that, I've had experiences where I went to a concert up in Palatine in 2017 and I'd never been there before. I ended up missing the nine o'clock train. So I had to wait till the 1am train came in. So they have this little indoor shelter with doors and everything where people can stay and keep warm. So I went in there, I was just going to wait for my train to come. What I didn't realize is that even though they have trains coming all throughout the night, the shelter itself closes at 10pm. So I guess while I was in there, I tripped a silent alarm and the police came and they got real serious with me. We're checking my IDs, asking what business I've had there, how long I've lived in this city. And their ultimate decision was not, okay, you can stay in here for now, but next time this can't happen again. Their decision was to kick a vulnerable disabled person in a strange town by themselves out of the safety of that um out out of the safety of the train station. Yeah. Another instance of being like, oh, these people that are supposed to make us feel safer actually scare us even fucking more. (laughs) Get rid of them. And have me wait outside for two and a half hours in the freezing rain by myself. Get cops out of hospitals also. Get them out. Get them out. Fuck pigs abolish the fucking police defunding is over abolish them (laughs) like they need to be fucking gone like ugh, i cannot fucking stand that um one more thing i wanted to touch on just because i if you don't want to have this conversation it's okay trans fat but i just think that there is still um some shit going on that should probably be addressed but you have had a little bit of a run-in with some some of these people's favorite drag queen, Trixie Mattel, correct? Oh, yeah, the whole Trixie Mattel This ordeal. shit grinds my fucking gears because as someone who people love to attack online, it really fucking pisses me off that these kids and fans of sure. hers, these monsters, are fucking attacking you. Still to this day, right? So... 
all of it goes back to me doing this performance with a pin with a pinata of her where we broke the pinata on stage myself and a couple of yeah. other disabled people and inside the pinata was pieces of candy that had the names of actual disabled performance artists on it and the idea for that basically came after she did a show where she pretended to use a wheelchair on a stage that was inaccessible and ignored the countless disabled people who commented on her page saying hey this isn't cool maybe you could not do that and just doubled down on adding more footage of the performance and people this happened a year ago and people are still coming at me for it literally the most recent thing this happened maybe a month or two ago i had someone recount that performance as trans fat trans fat violently attack a lynched effigy of Trixie Mattel and encourage the audience to incite violence against her and it's like <laughs> how that's the way you describe a pinata what a lynched effigy fuck? I can't even handle these people it's so it's just so dramatic. Yeah. And a white what person at that. That's so funny. And it's to the point where nobody really wants, I don't really understand what they want from me. Do you want, you just want to make me feel shitty about this forever? Because all I'm really seeking is, an, is a genuine apology, privately and personally, and one, one that's public. And I'd like her to donate the money that she made off of that performance to the GoFundMes of actual disabled people who are struggling right now. And people think that, I'm, that I've gotten angry about this and it's all just because of that performance she did. But she made this very, very personal with me. She went on a podcast with hosted by Meatball and Big Dipper and basically spent... A, a solid handful of minutes talking about what a pussy I am and how I have too thin to too thin of skin to be in this industry. And if I, why can't I just be in on the joke? I mean, my name is trans fat. I sound like somebody who should understand the humor and her saying, yeah, it's been, it's been a month since Halloween. Just get over it. I have. Who are and they people, to decide what, fucking, people, what the joke is? Yeah, people really think, and this is crazy to me, like that people are friend, are fans of Trixie. Because it's like, she really is just allowed to say that everyone else is sensitive and live in this white bubble and mm-hmm. be unlike, as someone who already has their own insecurities, as she should, because she looks awful and is bad at drag. <laughs> um and as someone who has her own insecurities, is so quick to tell everybody else that obviously has a disadvantage in in the field that she has that we should just suck it up and get over it. Bitch, yeah. tell somebody else to suck it up and get over it, and I'm going to smack your bald ass. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, like who the fuck are you? The, just the audacity of... I'm sure it was really easy for you to get over as somebody who could go on that stage and then hang the wheelchair up in the closet the rest of the year. But I have to do drag with as a disabled person for every day for the rest of my life. So no, it's not something that I just get to get over. It's a constant, it's a constant oppression and obstacle that I have to deal with for the rest of my life. 
I have somebody who, when I was raising funds to afford accessible housing so I wouldn't be homeless, they brought up the Trixie Mattel performance in the comments of that post and threatened to get my GoFundMe taken down as fraudulent because I obviously can't really be, be disabled if I stood up to hit the pinata during my performance. And it's really affecting me. All of those things, all of those comments, I mean, there, to one degree, people say you should be able to just understand that you're. And it's like, it's like nobody is allowed to learn anything as long, like, as long as you're white and male, you don't have to learn a damn thing. The world is built for you. And it's like, if somebody is telling you something is ableist or something is hurting them, why is your first reaction to say that they are attacking you in some way or why yeah. why see somebody's art well i guess she doesn't really know what art looks like so that's the beginning but um why see somebody's <laughs> art and then take that as a response uh of somebody just immediately attacking you you are a public figure of course you're going to be used as some kind of pinnacle especially when you do something like that like you cannot yeah. be doing like ableist performances and not expecting ableist performers to respond like that's what we do. We respond to what's happening in the world at the time. It's deeply hurtful. And also, I shouldn't have to deal with being threatened. She really thinks that just because just because some just because some twelve year olds have hyped you up to thinking that you can have a makeup line, by the way, the makeup is trash. Just because you think so <laughs> does not make you powerful, sir. Calm down. Like you don't get to tell anybody what to do. There's people who want to say that I have personally hurt her and harmed her. But when you actually look at the reality of what's happened since then, what has happened is Trixie had a night where she pretended to be disabled and made serious bank off of it. Where here I am, an actually disabled person, and my life for the past year has been fighting against huge ableism, fighting against people threatening me fighting to just exist in spaces where everybody else can just enter. I actually have a dear friend who was at that performance that Trixie did for the Boulay Brothers Halloween last year. His name is Hugh Johnson. He's also a drag king. Definitely go follow him. But um, my friend Hugh was actually involved in an 80 mile per hour head on collision on Thanksgiving day of 2018. And it's like, it smashed the car completely in. It basically crushed every bone in his body and he's had to have surgeries throughout the past few years where doctors are going in trying to piece his skeleton back together, basically. So lots of painful surgeries, a drastic change to the way his his body works. And like I was saying earlier, when if you don't if you aren't born with a physical disability and then you suddenly have one, the experience of your body changing is just extremely jarring of going from understanding yourself to how you move to not having any understanding of that at all. It's scary. He actually ended up being a wheelchair user after that. And that Trixie show was the first show that came along almost a year later after his accident, where he felt like trying drag again for the first time. He went all out for it. He made himself a costume and a matching costume for his wheelchair. And he was so excited to go. He got there and basically 
it's a standing room only venue. So for almost the entire show, there's just people pushing and shoving in front of him, very hard to navigate through a sea of people. And for the actual show, you have a bunch of people in front of him standing while he's be he's behind everyone in a seat. So most of the show he didn't even that he paid for, he didn't even get to see when he hears everybody screaming and cheering for something for those few seconds he uses his arms and bears all his strength down so he can push him, push himself out of his chair to see and what he sees is Trixie on stage pretending to use a wheelchair and then she jumps out of the chair and starts running around the stage what he saw in that moment was himself being mocked his experience being mocked she was on an accessible stage using a wheelchair my friend Hugh entered the got all dressed up partially because they were having a costume contest. He couldn't participate in that contest because the stage wasn't accessible. Hi. The fact that an actual Hi. disabled person can show up and not be able to participate because of inaccessibility while someone pretending to use a wheelchair yeah. can go on that stage, can walk up the stage and then sit in the yeah. chair. It's like a slap in the face. And I just want people to realize this is way more than me just being, just having a reaction or being offended by something. People were gen you people were genuinely and deeply hurt by that performance and the rep. Yeah, when you're up on stage and you're teaching, you're and you're in front of an audience. When you're up on stage in front of an audience and you're using these medical devices or the devices that disabled people depend on as props or gimmicks or toys. What you're doing is teaching everybody in that audience that, oh, when we're in these sort of fun spaces, those disability things aren't real. They're just toys and props that people use for a costume. There aren't actual disabled people in these spaces. People start to see them as funny or as a joke or things that we don't really need. And there's plenty of people who are going to fight me on that. I've had plenty of people try to say that, well, no, when a famous person uses a disability device, they're just um, opening people's eyes to disability. They're exposing people to that. So they're, they're actually increasing awareness. But if you talk to actual disabled people, all that does is hurt us. You, you able-bodied people getting up sta on stage and using these when they don't actually depend on them. For example, my friend was at a pride party last year and they are a blind person. They came to this party and they tried asking the bar staff if they could keep their cane behind the bar, but they didn't really understand that ask because they haven't been trained on proper accessibility procedure. So they ended up just Use leaving their cane in a corner and then they got up to go dance. They came back and the cane was gone. Someone had stolen it. So they went around, they asked security, and security said, oh, I thought you already left. And they said, no, I was on the floor dancing. We never left. Security responds with, oh, well, I only say that because I saw someone with a cane and a group of friends get up and leave here. What? So someone, not a disabled person, I guarantee that, decided it would be fun to pretend to be blind. So they took this cane and started playing around with it and just yeah. left with it. The net, that was devastating for my friend who the next day had to go to the had to go to the government offices to actually apply for disability 
and it's very hard to get disability. They intentionally make it, they intentionally make it difficult for people to yeah. actually prove that they're disabled. So for her not having her cane, that so for them not having their cane, that was a detrimental element to them being able to successfully Nothing. procure disability. God. That is so fucking shitty, people. We have to do better. God damn it. So um, before we close out this conversation, I just wanted to remind everyone who's listening again how we can support the both of you um, in your day-to-day and the art and the things you're doing. I'll start with Sky. Um, where can we find um, the Etsy and also your Instagram or anywhere else we can find you online? So you can go to rebirthgarments.com and it links to most of the things. Uh, I'm at etsy.com slash shop slash rebirth garments and all of my social media is just rebirth garments like smushed into one word uh, i'm most active on instagram i accidentally got tiktok famous so i guess i am kind really? of really oh my god i didn't know that <laughs> i love that yeah they <laughs> I posted a video of me dancing in my friend uh, Vive from Volpinic Vestments, yeah. who does all those silicone candy drip collars that yeah. all the queens always wear. Uh, I was dancing in one of their bodysuits on my friend Emma Alamo's truck in the salt flats, and everybody <laughs> thought I was naked, even though it literally credits their bodysuit in many places. So then I got like 40,000 followers overnight, and like a bunch of like creepy death threat thing or like you know um like super religious folks being like there are children here or something and i'm like yeah, yeah i'm wearing clothes or like <laughs> and it it had like a spandex black panel for yeah. like in the crotch and but everyone was like that's like like bushy or like that's a your pubic hair and i'm like who has pubic hair literally in like a triangle like like uh, like where the point is going upwards like and then like it's completely solid black <laughs> all throughout your crotch like you're you're like if you have a vulva like it's not completely yeah. solid black like, like hair with like no shine or anything just like a solid black thing like people were like that's what happens if you touch yourself too much and then other like kids were responding being like really and i'm like oh no this like says this like anti-sex education is terrible see we get reminders every day of what's like going on out there i'm like oh my goodness outside of my bubble is scary God yeah damn it. thank you so much guy uh trans how can we find you online and how can we support you so you can find me online on instagram and facebook instagram sorry instagram and facebook and now Twitter. I just got on Twitter. Oh, yeah. It took me like till 2020 to really understand what Twitter was about <laughs> and how to use it. Same. Um, yeah. I still don't understand Same. it. But I, I'm, I'm enjoying it now. It's a lot of fun. And you can also uh, donate to me through Cash App, Venmo, or my, my GoFundMe. 
and everything that I just mentioned, you can find me at It's Trans Fat. And as far as my GoFundMe goes, if you pull up my Instagram page, there's a link to it in the bio. That's so dope. That's so cool to hear, too. I cannot wait to see that um, from you. Um, and Sky, I cannot wait to see all the collaboration you're doing with the public library. That is so, so, so dope. I wanted to thank you both again for being here and dropping this knowledge and doing this work and just being here on this earth and being fucking amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having us. I and I don't know if we mentioned, but we, me and Transfat collaborate. What? Yes. Well, I cannot <laughs> wait to see that collaboration, y'all. Y'all take care, and we will be in touch soon. Okay. Bye. Bye, bye, loves. Ooh, girl, that was such a great episode. I learned that so much was. Today. Actually, one of my favorite episodes we've had so far. I know yes. I say that a lot, but um, that was just an actual, like, real educational moment and being able to connect with these two people that I've known, like, in the scene in this way and uh, talk to them and hopefully get some of this uh, information out there to the world. Yeah, it was, that was a really great episode. I love that. Yes. I really hope that a lot of these clubs listen to, like, I, I was, like, really for certain when I said like we got to stop like thinking about capitalism first and start thinking mm -hmm. about our neighbor because like there was stuff in there that or there was stuff that Sky and uh, Garnett told us that I like wasn't even like thinking about oh like, I know so many points and that just like goes like, to fog show like does suck who likes no one even really fucking likes it like why why would we not just stop fucking using it true like, come on i know come a lot on. of clubs use it to like make their clubs look full but it really don't make your club look full it just it, it doesn't yeah it, it just makes it look foggy and then like it's giving very call. like you know into the woods to grandmother's house with all this fog <laughs> i'm like bitch this ain't an episode of american horror story girl let's turn the fog <laughs> machine off Ryan Murphy ain't in this bitch. Leave me alone. Oh, girl, let's not start talking about Ryan Murphy and the new dentist show. Honestly, my life was what very new much. new show? Girl, Amer they're doing another American Horror Story. I think it's Oh, no, it's not. You think it's dentist? I don't think it's Is dentist. Is it not? Did you well, they shared, the, apparently he shared a uh, photo, and I went and looked at it, uh, like, a month ago on Twitter, and it showed, like, the background was, like, the sea, and it was, like, hands, like, crawling up, like, the side of, like, a cliff or something. So then we have this with, like, these weird teeth and that big mouth, and the tongue is being tattooed. I'm like, what the fuck is that? A lot of people are saying, like, mermaids or, like, you know, mythical, mm. like, water creatures or something like that, which could be fucking cool. It's but, you know, all that... Murder house, that... beach house. <laughs> oh God! Oh, actually, American Horror Story actually, beach house. Period. Actually, yeah, actually, that could be a serve if Take done correctly. Take me to Ibiza. Okay, wait. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but whenever I see that mouth, all I think of is the Bat Boy from the cover of the National Enquirers. Do y'all remember them? I love. I'm Bat I'm Boy. So <laughs> I'm super old, but there would always be pictures of Bat Boy, this like living like Bat Child. That yeah, was like I'm kind of obsessed of... with him. Really, with yeah. Bat Boy? <laughs> no, I really. Well, the picture, am. the picture was always with his mouth open and teeth like that, and so like that's the first thing I thought of is like a National Enquirer like sort of spin or some kind of like weird shit like that. But you they know, made Ryan a musical Murphy about him. Ryan Murphy. Are you serious? Yeah, Bad Boy. You really do love the Bad Boy. No, I do. 
think I'm trying to make that. I learn more about you every day. I love this shit. You're like, no, for real, I do. I follow his work. No, I love him. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, I'm going to have to look up the Bat Boy musical. So we're about to hit our weed up in here. But we yeah. did want to remind everybody. Oh, that my we God. Do have, a yeah, weed bitch, fun, bitch. Yes, we are doing we a weed, weed fun. fun. Popping off. I know y'all like to hear us getting high, having a good time and talking to these people. Um, well, you should support us in that way. You know, some people do champagne. We like to smoke blunts. Period. And if you want to support the weed fun and keep your girls, you know, medicated because we do have joint pain. Um, you can hit us up on our cash app. Yes, we said cash app because we are black. Um, uh, at dollar sign the black t that's dollar sign t h e b b l a q u e t e a yes please hit that's us up right. girl go and ahead and contribute you say you want to do some work well keep these bitches high and talking period. shit period i love the blueberry <laughs> blunts y'all come on Ooh, come through blueberry blunts and if you send us a little bit of you know cha-ching for a weed uh we will be shouting you out on the next episode and also on the instagram so please pass your girl if you got five five on it we're gonna let you know yes we appreciate you we're gonna let you virtually hit that blunt bitch yes i live for that shit so um bambi i just wanted to say thank you again for another amazing episode of the black tea i think we just went past 10 episodes right oh my god i think it is thank you so much for having me as your permanent guest on um, (laughs) lucy stools the The black Black tea Tea. (laughs) hosted by lucy stools guest star bambi banks kool-aid and friends (laughs) (laughs) we love y'all we'll be back next week bye bye Bye. hey y'all the black tea is a volunteer podcast if you would like to donate to our production staff and our fucking gorgeous host our cash app is dollar sign the black tea that's dollar sign include your instagram handle with your donation description you will receive a shout out with our weekly donors thank you so much sippers stay black <laughs>